You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I am the, the senior pastor of Hope Unlimited Church in L.A. My dad started the church 25 years ago, and uh, we're, we're celebrating 25 years this September, so we're excited about that. And I have been the pastor for the past two and a half, and God has been blessing it, and uh, we're ready for more, and I believe that you're ready for more. Like Pastor Paul said, 22 of us came to conference, and uh, next year we're believing for at least 40. I'm going to make them work really hard for us to have to move us around because trying to organize 22 people to get us around, I just winked at Jill. She's awesome. Amen. How many of you had a great time at conference this week, those of you that were there? Amen. You know, one of the things uh, I want to just quickly share a little bit about me, um, I am a single dad. I have a 12-year-old and 14-year-old sons. Uh, They came with me to conference this year, and so their first time in New Zealand, they've had a great time. I became a widower at 28. My boys were one and three, so I have raised them on my own the past 10 years and pastoring a church. And um, so, so today, when I tell you that God wants your tomorrow to be even greater than your today... I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from somebody who's had to walk through valleys, from somebody who's had to climb some mountains, from somebody who's had to overcome some things. How many of you are excited about the theme for next year? Amen? Amen. It was great this year, and it's going to be even greater next year as we talk about what it's like to overcome. But I want you to know today that God has a great future in store for you, no matter what you may be facing and no matter what you may be going through. The title of my message today is Miracle Moment. I believe that God wants to have a miracle moment with you today. I believe that he wants to intervene in a situation or circumstance for you. I believe that he wants to do something that only he can do. We all should be needing a miracle in our life. We all should be having that kind of faith. Because again, you know, so many of us, we... we, Look at miracles as if they have to be some big, crazy thing. Really, a miracle is something that only God can do. A miracle is something that is not possible for your human hands to accomplish. It's something where God says, I'm going to need to intervene on your behalf in this area to help it come to fruition in your life. So if we dream big dreams... If we, like the theme of this year, want more, there needs to be some miracle moments where only God can do it, where only he can deliver, where only he can bring provision, where only he can open up the doors that other people haven't been able to open. What is the miracle that you need from God today? I want you to actually think about it because as I go throughout this message, I don't want it just to be some far off thought. I don't want you to, I want it to be personal. I want you to ask yourself, what is the miracle that I need from Jesus today? Our key scripture is Luke 18, 27. It says, he replied, he being Jesus, what is impossible for people is possible with God. That, that should get everybody excited today. Because I'm telling you that Jesus said, and if you believe what Jesus says, What is impossible with people is possible with God. What is impossible with people is possible with God. 
See, man's impossibilities are God's opportunities. See, so, so often we look at things and it, it can be discouraging. It should excite us when we face something that seems insurmountable. It should be like, <laughs> God's going to get to show off. God's going to get to do something in my life. God's going to be able to show how much he loves me. God's going to be able to let everyone see that I'm his favorite. How many of you want to be God's favorite? <laughs> How many of you know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? That he's no respecter of persons. If he's done it for someone else, he can do it for you. How many of you are glad that you're in a church that still believes in miracles? How many of you are glad that you don't go to a church that says, God's done moving, the spirit is gone, it left 2,000 years ago? No, I know that the church of Acts is going to do even greater things than were done before. God wants to have... A miracle moment with you today. Will you position yourself in that place? We're going to be looking at John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And we're going to be looking at the man who was camping out at the pool of Bethesda. John 5, verse 1 says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. It says, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Anybody ever feel like that? Anyone ever feel like that in your life where somebody else always gets there ahead of you? It says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. Instantly, in a moment, the man was healed. The man had a moment with Jesus that changed the trajectory of his life forever. I believe that today... You can have a moment with Jesus that will change the future of your life. I believe that God wants to do something big in your life today. If you will allow your faith to be stretched. If you will set your... How many of you know so much is based on expectation? You know, we hear about these healing crusades and people who see thousands of people healed. And, and really what it is, is not so much that there's some special anointing on them, which there, there is, but it's also the level of expectation with which the people go there to receive because they had heard of what they've done. And so they go believing that God can do something for them. I'm hoping that you came into church today, not just to sit, not just to watch, but to experience the power of God to have a miracle moment in your life. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you three questions. How many of you know it's good sometimes to be reflective, to ask, do I really want this? So I'm going to ask you three questions that you can ask yourself if you're really believing for a miracle moment with God. Question number one, who determines your deadline? I want to know today, who determines your deadline? What time restrictions have you put on God? See, I don't think that any of us set off thinking that way. I don't think that, that when something comes and it's an area with which only God can move and only God can work, do we sit there and say, well, I'm going to give God this long to see what he does. 
We don't start off that way, but unfortunately, a lot of times we finish that way. Unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is our faith begins to wane after so long. You know, we read that the man had been sick for 38 years. I don't know about you, but I can't handle a 24-hour flu. Right? Don't you, when you get the flu and all of a sudden your body starts to ache and, and then you talk to other people who've had it and they're like, oh, it's just a 24 hour bug. And you're like, oh, thank God. I got t- 12 hours to go, you know? Like 38 years of being sick. I'm 38 years old. I'm proud to say it. I had a little Botox. No. I actually have a lady in my church who said, Pastor, anytime you want Botox for free, I'll do it. I'm like, God, it's good to pastor in LA. I have not used it, though. I have not. I promise. This is al natural. But he had been sick for 38 years. At what point do you think you would stop believing that God would actually do something to change it? Would it be 20 years? Would it be 10? After one year, would you somehow think that it's just your lot in life to live that way? Would you still, after 38 years, be believing that God could change it? Or would you just begin to accept it for what it is? I was thinking about the woman with the issue of blood. We're told that she suffered for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years, and she still believed that God could do something after 12 years. Sometimes for us, after 12 days, we wonder if it will ever change. Lazarus was dead for four days. I don't know about you, but I don't have four-day dead kind of faith. I got like four minutes. Like if somebody's dead, I give it four minutes for God to raise him from the dead, you know? I'd be like, okay, God, you can do it. Come on. Oh, it's been three minutes. Oh, four, I don't know. (laughs) Four days. What timeline have you put on God? How long do you give him? How long have you given him to change the situations in your life? But see, what you say is, Pastor Robert, you don't understand. It's always been this way. I've always been sick. I've always been lonely. I've always been depressed. My family's always been poor. Now I'm getting personal. We've always been this way. Why is it that because it's always been that way, you have settled that it always has to continue that way? Just because it's always been does not mean that it has to always be. Can somebody say amen? Because Jesus wants to do a miracle in your life today. How long does it have to be before you stop believing? What's the timeline that you've put on God? You know, we are in the middle of a building project at home. And it really is for us, it is a miracle because uh, real estate is so difficult in the greater Los Angeles area. Parking is really difficult. You can um, understand it's very similar to like your central campus where it just has to be an intervention from God. And what has happened is we've grown weary. I'm just being honest. We grow tired of looking. It's one of those things where it's like, God, like maybe it's just not meant to be. Anybody ever said that? Maybe maybe it just is the way that it is. And then all of a sudden, there was a building that was available. And I told my brother, I said, hey, I want that building. 
I believe God wants us to have that building. Now, we, we contacted the local real estate agent. And in L.A., they don't like churches to come into buildings. So we have to go in on the down low. So we don't tell them we're a church. You never tell them you're a church. You tell them that you're a nonprofit. You tell them you build water wells. You tell them whatever you need to tell them to let, them, let you get in the door, you know? So, so we're, get, we're going there, and, and even I tell my brothers we're driving. I'm like, remember, say nothing. Let's just look at the building. And so we're walking up the street, and the listing agent walks up, and she goes, Pastor Robert, right? And I'm like, my brother, what the heck did you tell them? I told you to be quiet. Yeah, I'm all for a She's like, you guys have a church. I'm like, oh, who told you? Like, she's probably not even going to let us in the building, you know? And, and she goes, oh, just want to let you know that we love churches. We'd love to have a church in our building. I mean, it almost knocked me over. And it was God saying, don't give up. I prepared something for you. You put a timeline on this. I didn't. I have perfect timing. My will will be done if you do not set a deadline on what I can do. Because 2 Peter 3.8 says, but you, not, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. See, God's timing is not our timing. So why do we limit what God wants to do and can do in our lives based on how long it's been? For some of you this morning, maybe you've been suffering with what you've been suffering with for three days. And you've come to church today hoping that God can intervene. Maybe for some of you it's been three years and maybe for some of you it's been 30. But I got to tell you today, you're closer than you were. You are one step closer to a miracle of God because you have positioned yourself in a place of his presence. And in his presence, in a moment, you're closer than you think. Question number two. Do you still desire deliverance? I want to know. Do you still? It's something I want you to literally ask yourself. Do you still desire deliverance? Because, you know, there's some things that we, that we hold on to that we say we want to be free from. And yet, in reality, do you really? Do you really want to be free? I love in verse 6 how it says that Jesus asked him, knowing that he had been sick, he saw how long he had been ill, and he's like, hey, would you like to get well? He had to ask him. He had to be like, you know, it wasn't just like, hey, this guy wants to get well. Jesus had to ask, bro, you've been here so long. You've been sick. Do you want to? Something in the situation caused Jesus to question whether or not he really still wanted a miracle. Are there things in your life that caused Jesus to question whether or not you still really want a miracle? In your life. Today I want to know, do you want to get well? Because Jesus noticed that the man went from expecting to existing. And I think a lot of times when things don't happen in the time frame with which we've put them in, we go from expectation to existing. We go from believing that God's going to do something to complacency. And we become comfortable and we find ourselves sitting on the porch 
He was sitting on the porch when the healing happened in the water. Don't throw away your confidence just because it hasn't happened yet. Because Hebrews 10.35 says, So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he had promised. See, if this man wanted to be made well, he would not be under the covered porch. You know what I find interesting is that it tells us that there were five porches. I love how the word can be so detailed and yet so vague at the same time. Because he was referred to as the man. He was the man. So, so we, we just know that he was the man, that he was sick. So often in the words, you'll find that people are known by their deficit or their infirmity. They're defined by the problem. We know that there was the blind man. There was the woman with the issue of blood. There was the lame man who was carried. We never hear their name. And yet the word can be so detailed, not to just say that they were the porch. They were under five porches. I'm like, God, you're going to tell us there were five porches, but not give us the guy's name. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, I don't give them a name so that anybody can put theirs in that place. See, if you knew that man as Harry, I don't know where the Harry come from. <laughs> if you knew that man as a name, you would somehow again believe that God could do it for Mike. But could he do it for me? But God's saying, if I just say, the man, if I just say the woman with the issue of blood, if I just say the blind man, then just maybe it can stir your faith enough to say that man or that woman could be me. But see, you have to position yourself in a place to receive it. I don't know about you, but if I was him, I would be laying at the edge of the water. I wouldn't be at the porch. I would be right there and as soon as I saw water move, I'd be like, oh, that kind of hurt. These jeans are too tight to do that. So I won't do that again. But right there, expecting. And when I saw the stirring of the water, I go, boom, I jump in. It was just to wake some of you up. It's like, <laughs> I, it would just be the wind. They'd be like, Robert, it was the wind. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm ready. I need something. I need a touch. I want to be made well. So that's why when Jesus saw him hanging out with everybody else who was still just sitting there whining and complaining about what they were going through, he was like, do you want to be made well? You know, some of us, you come into church and you're like, God, I, need, I want restoration in my marriage. I need, I need restoration. I need healing in my marriage. But you don't go to any marriage conferences. You don't ask People who've been married happily for 30 years, godly counsel. You aren't in a small group. And God says, do you want to be made well? You come in today and you're like, God, I need a miracle in my finances. Everything's falling apart. I'm believing for a miracle. Yet you don't tithe. You don't give. You don't honor God with your finances. And he's saying, do you want to be made well? Because if you want to be made well, then you position yourself in a place for it to happen. You do everything you can do in this world, and he does what only he can do in the supernatural. See, that man was not positioned for a miracle. He was not expecting a miracle. He was watching everybody else receive. 
See, I think sometimes we come into church and we sit and we watch everybody else receive. And we wonder why God's not doing it for us. But did you come in positioned and expecting for God to do something in your life today? Do you still want to be made well? He had cast away his confidence. I think a lot of times it's because we believe he can do it for them, but will he really do it for us? I think that's maybe what that man was asking himself. He's looking and going, well, I know that God can do it. I just saw it. I've seen it. He saw for years. He saw people healed. He was not denying the power of God. He was denying whether or not the power of God would work for him. And I think some of you need to change that mindset today. You come in and you're like, I know that God can do it. But you don't necessarily believe that he can do it for you. What you need to know is not only can he, but he wants to. There's a big difference between ability and desire. You need to know that not only is God able, but he desires to intervene and have a moment with you today. You know, I want to, you're probably, some of you are wondering why I have this vacuum cleaner up here. You know, I, I don't really use these. I literally don't even know if we have one in our home. <laughs> we, we, a couple weeks ago, my son broke a glass and somebody said, do you have a vacuum? I'm like, I don't know. I know it gets vacuumed, but I don't know if the cleaning lady brings it or if we have one. Let me go look. <laughs> but in our, in our church years ago, we used to have carpet throughout our facility. And people used to come in and they would volunteer to clean the church. How many of you know that when your church grows, people no longer want to volunteer? They just think you should pay somebody. So now we pay somebody to clean. But years ago, people used to volunteer. And they would come in and they would vacuum all of the carpet. Now we had this one really long hallway. And there was a plug. And what they would do is they would get the vacuum out and they'd get ready to vacuum. And they'd take the, the, the plug out. And I think that's how it works. And you walk over to the wall and they'd plug it in. And they'd go and they'd, they'd hit the little button and they'd be ready because they're going to serve God with their vacuum, you know. And nothing happens. So, so then they would go back and they would move it to the next plug underneath and they would try again and nothing would happen. Now, all the while, we're watching. And we're watching because we know the plug doesn't work. And, and, and I just think it's a little funny to watch for a minute, you know. Now, if I like the person, I tell them ahead of time. So most of the people have this experience. And so what would happen, is, so you'd watch, and then you'd say, oh, sorry, the plug doesn't work. And you'd show them another plug. But see, what never happened, I got to tell you, never, was that they would try it and plug it in, try the one below and plug it in, and they would go, oh, my God, we've lost electricity. There's no longer power. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to turn, I'm going to sit in the dark. And the rest of my life, I'm going to sit here in the dark and deny the power of the light because the vacuum did not work in the hall that one day. But how often do we do that with God? How often in your life? See, the reason that you would never do that is because you experience electricity every day of your life. 
You, you see it. You, you, you have an intimate relationship. You turn on the light. You, you open the, the refrigerator and the light comes on, right? You, you go and you, you go to do your makeup in the morning, ladies, and you hit the button and it works. So it would seem ridiculous that because one plug didn't work, that you would somehow no longer use electricity because you so have seen it so often that it would be crazy to deny its power. Yet what happens with us is we have one bad experience with God. We plug in and believe for power in an area and it doesn't happen when we thought it would or how it should or what we expected it to be. And we go home. And we sit in the dark the rest of our life denying the power of the light because we've had one bad experience with God. I got to tell you, I've had some experiences with God that it didn't work out how I thought it should work out. I was believing for my wife to be healed. I was believing for a miracle. Yet I did not go home and sit in the dark the rest of my life denying the power of God. You know what I did? I continued to plug in. I found another socket. See, the people who were vacuuming, they didn't go home and not fulfill their, their assignment was to get the carpet clean. They fulfilled their assignment. You know how they did it? By continuing to plug in until they found one that worked. Why? Because they knew that it worked. Today, you got to know that you've seen it with other people. You've seen God do it before. You see him working all around you. And just maybe you've had one experience where it didn't work out how you thought it should. I got to tell you, don't stop plugging in. Don't stop engaging. Don't stop seeking his power. Because I promise you, if you persevere enough, if you plug in one more time, he will always be faithful to see you through. Question number three. Who have you been waiting for? I want to know today, who have you been waiting for? You see, the man at the pool of Bethesda was waiting for the hand of man, not the hand of God. Because what happened is, is when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? His response to the man was, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. You see, he was looking for man to help him in an area where only God could help him. He was looking for the hand of man when right in front of him was the hand of God. So often <laughs> we're looking at the answer right in front of us. And we're saying, but God, who are you going to bring? He's saying, today, I want to heal you. And you're like, great, I'll make a doctor's appointment for tomorrow. Because so often, God's hand is outstretched, saying, do you want to be made well? And we still look for the hand of man. We still look for man's answer as opposed to God's answer. He's saying, but there's nobody to take me. And he's like, you don't need to go there. You don't need to do anything. There's no more work that has to be done. 
The answer to everything is right in front of you. Stop looking for man to do what only God could do. Stop trying to fill those voids in your life with natural things. Stop thinking that your happiness and fulfillment will come from things or from relationships. Stop looking for the hand of man when it's the hand of God that can only bring healing. Stop looking for the hand of man when it's only God who can bring provision. Stop looking for the hand of man when it's only God who can uplift you and pull you up and put his arms of love around you. Too often, we're looking for love from the hand of man as opposed to from the hand of God. So my question to you today is, who are you looking for? Who have you been waiting for? Have you been waiting for the approval of man as opposed to the approval of God? Have you been looking for the voice of a man as to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Have you been seeking man's instructions instead of God's instructions? Whose hand are you looking for? Because I got to tell you today, his hands are outstretched. And in his hands, there's healing. There's provision. There's love. There's peace. There's purpose. There's the answer to every question that you've been asking. So reach out and grab his hand. Because it's his hand that's outstretched today. His hand is the only answer. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you that we seek your face, that we seek your presence. I thank you that we know that maybe it's been a long time, maybe it's been longer than we feel it should have. Maybe we feel like it's not been fair. Maybe we feel like we've suffered longer than we should have suffered. Maybe we've disqualified ourselves because we've become complacent. But today I believe that God wants to have a moment with you. I believe that today, one moment in his presence, one touch from the Holy Spirit can instantly change your future. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.